Hello and welcome to That One Case, the podcast where lawyers share stories of the cases that influenced their careers. My guest today is Larry Foreman. Larry is the owner of Foreman & Associates and is perhaps better known on YouTube as The DUI Guy, where he has nearly 60,000 subscribers. For five years, he's been chronicling his wins on the channel and has positioned himself as the go-to DUI attorney in Kentucky. On today's show, Larry takes us back to one of his very first cases, which proved to be a trial by fire for the young attorney. I'd love to, to hear more about, about about your story. Is there a particular case, do you think, that kind of um, that, that sticks out in your mind that, that sort of solidified you on your journey as, as the DUI guy? So, yeah, this was a case... Um... This was my second jury trial uh, that I've ever done in my career. Uh, this was, uh, I had, back when I had, I still think, no business trying cases. I mean, I was getting my feet wet. I, it was, it was all new to me, but, you know, you got to learn somehow. And I, I'm of the firm opinion that trial by fire uh, oftentimes is, is the best uh, methodology because it accelerates the learning curve. You you kind of there's no going back i mean once if, if you're able to pick it up you're going to pick it up and you're going to run with it which is pretty much what i did so uh this was my second case this trial was in hardin county kentucky uh on august 28th 2015 was when i tried it um my client was a uh, military is I think he still is uh, that saved his career at that time he was an e5 at the time uh, e5 sergeant or e5 specialist excuse me which, which is uh, uh, here in Fort Knox he was um, he was stationed uh, in, in Kentucky where, where all the gold is <laughs> uh, and his name is uh, Joel it's all public record and Joel came to me from another lawyer whom he hired and he said that the lawyer promised that he would fight the case all the way and take it to trial and blah 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 and then uh when push came to shove the other lawyer was like no i'm not trying this forget about it kind of thing whatever so joel gave me a call i think it was his mom actually his mom called me and um you know said can we meet i said sure and we met, we talked, and I looked at the case and I said, you know what, I see something here. I, I think this is a tribal case. Maybe I can win. Uh, and let's see what happens. Let's let's try and, and, and give it a shot. And, and uh, for Joel, it was everything. It was his career. It was his, his livelihood. It was his life. So uh, his mom paid and I was hired. I was officially on board. Um, and a few months before the trial, I think this was in April, um, we even held a suppression hearing, which, again, I thought I was going to win almost it, it, to me in my mind, in my young, inexperienced, naive and ambitious, uh, optimistic mind. I was thinking, well, we're just going to we're going to show the judge that there is really not a whole lot of a case here. And um uh, he'll he'll get it dismissed because the the biggest hurdle for us was my client blew a 0 0.087 on the breathalyzer so he was over the legal limit in the commonwealth of kentucky it's actually all 50 states with the exception of i think utah and my client uh and he got stopped for speeding which again was very very questionable as to how he got stopped in, in this case it was very very fishy but uh, the officer alleged that my client was traveling 
um, after the exit ramp, he accelerated and that's when he clocked him. Whereas my client says while he was on the exit ramp, he got pulled over immediately before he even got to the highway. So that was kind of a, a discrepancy. And my memory may be failing me. I mean, it has been five and a half years. And the interesting thing about this trial, um, you know, you could call it a battle of the rookies because uh, I was a, a rookie lawyer. You know, my, my client was a, a rookie uh, military person. Um, my the police officer was a rookie. I was a rookie. I think the prosecutor didn't try very many cases, so I would consider her uh, a rookie. The judge definitely was not. He had quite a few tons, I think, actually, of jury trials under his belt. So he was the only odd man out, I would say. So, yeah, and, and then it all just kind of went from there. So I tried that suppression hearing. Like I said, I, I attempted to explain to the judge, um, but the judge ruled against me, obviously, because we ended up uh, losing the hearing. And then we went to jury trial a few months later. Uh, and that case sits with me, uh, I'll just jump forward again, uh, for a couple of reasons. Well, number one, it was my first victory ever of uh, a DUI jury trial in my career. So that was already for me like a big boost of confidence, of ego, of of positive emotion. I had ambitions. I had, I, I now, I, I was of the belief that this is possible. This is doable. If I do things right, I can win. If I find the right case to try, I can win. I'm, it's not impossible. Um, and at the same time, uh, it kind of put me on the map because only, you know, less than 1% of attorneys actually try cases and even fewer than that ever really win, especially difficult cases. So my name started circulating, uh, amongst the lawyer community. Like my name was out there now. I wasn't just another, another lawyer. Uh, so in this particular case. What ended up happening was uh, not only was it my first victory, not only was this my second jury trial, um, uh, <clears throat> but little did I know, the the jury came back within five minutes and said not guilty. And for a first win, you know, second jury trial in a career. For them to come back with, I've since beat it. I've gotten it down to four minutes uh, last year, right before COVID hit. Uh, I don't know. I still don't know how I did that one. Uh, but that this was, to me, was almost a fluke. You know, you, I never expected them to come back so quickly. We were all shocked. I think everybody in the room, I remember looking at the prosecutor and the cop, they were, they were smirking. They're like, well, obviously it's guilty. Like, it's so quick. They, it didn't take them any time at all to talk. And it's very notorious. And when jurors come back so quickly, it's, it's a guilty verdict. Nobody agrees that quickly, not guilty. Uh, and, and they did. And, you know, everybody was was completely taken aback and shocked, including myself. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I had just accomplished, what I had just done, because, again, the, the prosecutor, I think, was all but certain that I was going to lose uh, since I had no reputation. I had no experience and it was it was bound to fail. And I understand her mentality. Um but uh, the key, and, and, and I, I don't want to give too much away. It's almost like giving away the plot of a movie at this point. Go, go watch the YouTube video and you'll find out how I, I ended up winning. And one of the key factors in that case was uh, I flipped their expert witness in the middle of the trial. 
uh, he became my expert witness and she didn't see that coming. I think uh, I didn't even see that coming. I mean, I knew I had a plan. I had an idea, of course. And when you go to trial, by the way, you you always have a plan of action. You never play it by ear uh, to see what happens. You I, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. If you don't prepare an entire strategy and I'm saying, you know, written out start to finish, which I still do uh, to this day. Um, I don't know if I'll ever. Uh, ever stop doing that because when you do that you kind of solidify your your game plan and your strategy as to how the jury trial is going to play out whereas if you just go in there you know hoping for the best it's like rolling the dice I don't understand why you would ever do that and you know it's it's not you you as the practitioner you get to walk out of that courtroom uh, unless you I guess piss off the judge enough and he holds you in contempt <laughs> which has never happened to me i've been threatened with it by prosecutors but judges I, I don't think really take them seriously so um yeah you get to walk out of there as the as the the practitioner the attorney the litigator you get to walk out of there at the end of the day uh you can't say the same for your client especially if you don't do a good enough job so i think preparation is is absolutely vital um for any type of case. And I, I'm sure I've, I've spent more hours on that jury trial than uh, I did on any jury trial since then. So all of these things, and they, they take time and experience. And uh, uh, Joel's case, um, I will never forget, after we, we finished the case, I walked out again still in, in awe. It, it didn't really hit me that I, I just, what I had just done really, you know, and professionally, career-wise, personally, and and for Joel himself. I mean, let's not forget. I, I just I changed this man's life, whether whether I like it or not, and for the best. Uh, he, that's what he hired me for, and that's what I got done. So to him, in that moment, I was the end all and be all. And, and I remember we we walked outside, and. Uh, <laughs> He, he, he looked at me and he said, I'm so glad I hired you. You saved my life, basically. And he gave me a hug. <laughs> Amazing story there from Larry. And I think his point about going in unprepared equating to preparation for failure is something that will resonate with everyone, even outside the legal industry. My thanks again to Larry for sharing his story. If you want to find out more about Larry and Foreman Associates' work, you can find the links to their website in the show notes at thatonecase.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with someone you think would also find it interesting. All the details on how to listen and subscribe can be found at thatonecase.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next time as Michael Reichelson tells us the story of That One Case.